me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Also bring the books, and above all, the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. In my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not, may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, show us where joy may be found in the darkness of this broken world, regardless, Father God, of how hard the days may seem. Surround us with your presence and with your people that we might find joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Help is on the way. That's the title of this sermon this morning. And I was reminded last week that we all need help. And one of the ways I was reminded is because every once in a while as pastor, I sort of make a decision and we move forward with it. And nobody really questions that a whole lot. And one of the decisions that I just said, hey, we're not going to worry too much about an Advent calendar wreath this year. And we've done it for a long time, but nobody really pays attention. It's not a big deal. And after last Sunday, I had like 15 of our teenagers that kept coming to me and going, what, where are our candles and why aren't you lighting them? So I was reminded this week that part of help is, is actually being open to those people who help us. And so this morning, I have a lighter. And I have a lighter to, to remind us about this Advent Sunday of joy. And the reason I didn't have somebody else come up and do it is because I wanted to take responsibility for the fact that I needed help. And sometimes in the midst of our hardest things, we need a lot of help. I needed help to remind me of why these things are important. But as Buster's already read this morning, our Advent reading, we are lighting candles of joy to remind us that Jesus came to bring joy, good tidings of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto us was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Folks, where do we find joy? Where is joy to be found in this world? In this last book of Paul, this last letter of Paul to Timothy, we see, I believe, a few hints about where Paul finds or found joy. Four things that jump off this page this morning about where joy can be found in the darkness of our broken world. Fellowship with friends is the first thing I see. You know, you say, Craig, I don't know if I see that in this passage. Let me work with you. Let me explain how we get to this point. Where do we find joy in the darkness of this broken world we celebrate joy the joy of christmas on this third sunday of advent but we are also reminded that paul is approaching death and he is alone and afraid now he's not totally alone you got to think that luke probably didn't love this letter he writes a letter to timothy says can you hurry up and get here things are really bad 
This one dude left me because he's in love with the present world. I've sent a couple of folks, uh, uh, three other people away to do ministry. It ain't nobody here but me and Luke. And I know that's not real good English, but that's how Paul felt in that moment, wasn't it? Luke alone is with me. Imagine Luke over, looking over his shoulder going, ahem, ahem. I mean, literally, am I chopped liver here? What's the story? Paul is imprisoned. Paul knows that he's facing a potential death sentence. Paul has lost lots of people around him. Paul certainly is battling against depression and despair and and lack of hope. And in this place, in this broken world of Paul's and in the broken world in which we live, Paul reminds us that one of the places where joy is to be found is in the fellowship of friends and companions. He writes to Timothy, he says, I need you guys to hurry up. I need you to get here. Why do we need the fellowship of friends? Watch, Paul tells us. One of the things is he just wants him here. He wants Mark to come. Isn't that incredible? There's been a, a, a restoration of a relationship here because Paul had had very little to do with Mark. You remember when Paul and Barnabas split up, the, the issue was about whether or not Mark should come along. And Paul said, I don't really have time for Mark. He walked out on us once. I'm not bringing him along again. Here at the end of Paul's life, we see that as Paul is longing for relationships, he says, bring Mark because he is valuable to me. He matters there had been a restoration of that relationship. So get Mark and bring him, for he's useful to me for ministry. But then he goes on down and he says, what? He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and the books and above all the parchments. Now this is one of a pastor's favorite passages of scripture because he says, well, please bring my books and my papers. I desperately need them. Right now, mo- many of my books and the rest of them are going to finish that way or are boxed up in my office. There's going to be some, some work done in my office in the coming weeks and I've got to box up everything and I feel like I'm missing so much as they're all stuck in a hole. I'm preparing sermons and I go to reach for something off the shelf and it's not there. We love these things so we read this passage and we go we understand Paul bring it with you. he needs it but 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 look if you don't care that much about the books watch what he says will you bring my coat why do we need the fellowship of friends and companions why does that bring joy because it's those people in part that meet our immediate needs Paul says it's getting cold can you bring my coat I left it folks sometimes we need help we need the fellowship of friends because I just need somebody that can meet a need that nobody else can meet for me right now. I need that person to show up. But it's not just that, is it? It seems as we read this that it's not just that, that he needed, needs those things. He doesn't, he doesn't mention by mistake that these others have deserted him. If the only thing that really mattered to Paul was that he got his stuff, then he'd have said, hey, can you bring my stuff and we'll talk about the rest when we get here. He says, can you hurry up and get here because it's just me and Luke and things are getting kind of tough. Things are getting kind of hard. I desperately need more than I have in my life right now. Folks, we, we really don't need Paul to tell us about the joy of friends. Or let me back up. Maybe I, I would say this. We shouldn't need Paul to tell us about the need and the joy of friends and companionship. But it's really wonderful that Paul does remind us of this. Now, the secular world knows this. Christmas always brings a few new Christmas songs. And, hey, I'm, I'm reaching that age in my life. Some people would call it old. Um, that age in my life where some of the bands of my youth are making Christmas albums, right? Why do they do that? Because they got old and they can't make decent music anymore, so they got to make something that will sell. I mean, I get it. And if they're getting old, I guess that means that those of you who graduated high school near me are getting old as well. 
But the Goo Goo Dolls released a song this year called This is Christmas. Here, here are a few of my favorite lines. Now, there's nothing Christian about these people. But here are a few of my favorite lines. Wish on the stars above for the ones that we love. This is Christmas. Drove a thousand miles just to see you smile. This is Christmas. Watch this one. It's late in December. I need to remember you were there when I needed a friend. So fill up the car and we'll chase down the star that will lead us back home again. The secular world knows that we need friends. How much more the Christian world? Now we often over-spiritualize this, don't we? Don't raise your hand, but I mean, come on. How many of you can, well, I've got Jesus and that's all I really need. You know what that is? That's just, that, that, that should be a truth, but it's an actually a lie. It's actually a lie. If Jesus was all that we needed, then Jesus wouldn't have given us the church and given us to one another. If Jesus was everything that we needed, if Jesus knew that he could fill... Now, let me back up. I'm not saying Jesus can't fill up those holes in our life, but Jesus knew that we would need more to get through, that we would fail, that we would falter. And so Jesus looks at his disciples. He says, I've called you what? Friends, and so you should love one another. There's this, this need, this relationship that, ex that, that exists... In the early church, we see that they were together and unified. I talked about this on Wednesday night. And it was in that place of unity and togetherness and worship and communal nature that they prayed and the Holy Spirit came and baptized them with His love and His power in the unity of the body of Christ. Folks, when Paul found himself at his worst place in his life, he said, Timothy, can you please hurry up and get here because I need you. And by the way, I don't even know if you're enough. Will you bring Mark along the way? And if you run into anybody else, can you just grab them and come on? Things are kind of tough. We talk about the joy and the excitement of Christmas, but here's a reality. Christmas is hard for a lot of people. Christmas is hard. we got people in our church that are facing their very first Christmas without a loved one. Some of you are looking at Christmas and it's difficult because you're not sure how you're going to make all the ends meet. Sometimes Christmas is filled with struggle and depression and heartache. Sometimes we've longed for December to get here because you just knew that when December arrived, you could shake off all the struggle of the previous year. And then somehow or other, when the calendar flipped to December the 1st, everything was still the same that it was. In July and August and September and October and November, and all the trouble chased you there. Instead of the light of Christmas chasing out the darkness, it seemed that the darkness came around and is strangling your joy. The world is broken, for goodness sakes. We see just this week, just this weekend, we've seen what? Tornadoes destroy communities in our country. Lives that were lost just that fast. They went to work and didn't come home. Church buildings that have been destroyed, homes that have been destroyed. Where's their joy in these hard days? Where do we find joy in the midst of darkness in our broken world? Folks, I want you to know that fellowship with friends is absolutely invaluable. I was listening to the radio the other day. I'm going to run off script here, so if this goes bad, just bear with me. But I was listening to the radio, and, and I don't even know what it was an advertisement for. Supposedly some like good life guru podcast that you should listen to. And it's some lady, and I have no idea who she was. But she said, you know, I've, I've come to realize that the things in my life that don't bring me joy, the relationships that aren't helping me move forward, they're just cut off from me. And I don't need people in my life. And if I have three people, I'll just be okay with that because I'm not, I'm not going to deal with those people that don't help me to get where I want to be. Folks, let me tell you something. 
You need people that are going to come alongside you and be around you and support you. There's a good chance that three aren't going to be enough to get you through the hard days because it might be that you got to send one somewhere and send one somewhere else and Luke's the only thing that's left and he's just not real good for much of anything. Do you want to fight for joy this Christmas? Folks, I want you to know that for the Apostle Paul, he needed companionship and fellowship with friends. One of the reasons that we have emphasized and overemphasized and doubled down on emphasizing fellowship this holiday season is because we recognize that on the back end of lockdowns and shutdowns and social distancing and everything else that people have lost the ability to interact. You want to see something depressing? Talk to teachers right now that can tell you about students that don't have any idea how to interact with one another. Speak with our law enforcement officials who can talk to you about people who have lost the ability to actually speak civilly with other people. We desperately need fellowship with other folks. Because watch. We can draw the curtains in our house and turn the lights out and live in those despairing moments. But it's something about people that come in that force us out of our dark places. Did I tell you there were like 70 people in my house last night? There was a bunch of them, okay? There might have been 170. I don't know. There were a lot of them. And a lot of them had been up almost all night the night before, and they walked in like this. A couple of little girls are coming through the, uh, the, the food line at my house last night. Angela had this huge spread laid out, and they're coming through. And I mean, they looked like, as my mom would say, they looked like death warmed over. That's exactly how they looked. Y'all are still beautiful ladies. I mean, absolutely beautiful, okay? Don't get me wrong, but I mean, they, they were so dressed up. They, had a, they, had, they looked nice, but I mean, they just looked terrible. You know what they had a hard time being? In the presence of all those other folks that loved them, all those other people that had joy about them, in the presence of all those, they had a really difficult time being depressed or angry or sad or mad. They were really tired, and they really didn't want to be there, and yet somehow I kept seeing them laugh by accident. It was funny. Because they didn't want to. I could see, tell some of them really just wanted to curl up in a corner of my couch and go to sleep. But by accident, they, and, and look, how many of you parents that, that had your kid get home last night and didn't hardly speak to you before they fell asleep? I got these two teenagers that don't ever want to sleep that looked at us at like 8.15 and said, good night. I said, yes, good night. Who am I kidding? I didn't say anything. I was asleep on the floor. Um, but you know, there's just something about... The company of other people that makes it hard for us to stay depressed or angry or mad or sad. And look, isn't that, isn't that doubled or tripled when, those, when the, the, the presence of, of godly people, of Christian people that share our values and our morals, and our passions in life, somehow or other God's people have a way to rub up against us and sort of bring out the best? There's joy to be found. Where's joy in the darkness of our broken world? Do not miss this. There's joy in the fellowship with friends. In actual fellowship with friends. Sometimes we have a hard time finding joy in the fellowship of virtual friends. We're seeing right now the dangers that people are beginning to come bring aware about exactly how virtual relationships, virtual friendships through social media platforms like Instagram are actually d damaging and destroying the joy in our children. And yet somehow or other, when we can get them in places by, where they don't, they don't, they don't have the, the interruption of the virtual world and we force them into those situations where they deal with the physical world, they find joy. The same thing's true for us as adults. If we'll turn the TV off and look at each other, we might actually find something to smile about. 
something to be joyful about, something enjoyable to interact with. There's fellowship with friends that brings joy. Where else is joy found in the world? Joy is found in the fruits of our labor. Joy is also found in these places. Notice that Paul, though lonely and tired, watch, had sent Crescens to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia and Tychicus to Ephesus. Now, don't miss this. So he says, Demas, in love of the present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He's the one that got crazy and left. These other three, Paul has sent out. Paul is alone. Paul is tired. Paul is maybe scared. And yet, in the midst of all that, Paul still looks at three of his closest people and says, I need y'all to get out of here. Why would Paul do that? Without a doubt, Paul understood there was a great need in those places. Don't miss that. Paul understood the missionary need. But if you've ever had the privilege of discipling somebody, of investing in somebody, and then watching that person leave and go and do something else somewhere else, you know the joy that it brings when they walk out to go make a difference. Folks, if you want to find joy in the world, you're going to find joy in your broken world by investing in others. You find joy when you give, when you disciple, when you train up, and then especially when you see those that you've trained up investing in others. Paul knew the joy, right? He's writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, right now. He's writing to this young man that he has trained up, that he's discipled, this young man that's already pastoring. And Paul says, look, I know you're doing a good work, but I need you to get here because guess what, Timothy? I, <laughs> I messed up and sent everybody else away. Timothy, I gave everything else away, and here I am broken, alone, and I need you to get here. Side note here. Part of the reason why if you're struggling to find joy in life, or excuse me, this is part of the reason why if you're struggling to find joy in life, you should consider finding a hobby. Okay? Now you say, Craig, where's the spiritual component in that? Brace, walk with me, watch. When, when God created Adam in the garden, he created Adam to create, to use his hands and his gifts to subdue the earth and to exercise dominion. Paul create, or excuse me, God created Adam to imitate him as his imitator in creating and in doing and in acting and investing. As image bearers of God, we imitate him not only in our gospel proclamation, but in our creativity and exercising dominion. So, so what have you created or what have you invested in? Sometimes we don't find joy in this world because we're not living as God intended us to live. We're just sort of what my grandma used to call just bumps on a log, just kind of sitting there and going, why am I so miserable? Well, sometimes we're so miserable because we're not actually behaving, interacting, living in the way that God created and intended us to live. There's got to be something in us that drives us out from in front of the television to actually engage with the world around us, right? So look, one of those primary things that we need to be doing is investing in other people, discipling other people. You say, well, I'm not quite there. Okay, then get there. Get to the place where you can. Find that person that you're going to text them every once in a while, once a week, twice a week, that just says to them, did you read your Bible this morning? we got some ladies in our church that I know of that, that text one another at like horrible hours of the morning, like quarter to six in the morning, and says, hey, this is what I read in my Bible this morning. Have you read yours this morning? Do you know that's discipleship? That's accountability? That's investing in other people? There's joy to be found when we do that. But there's also joy to be found sometimes just in the, 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 the I'm going to use the word secular things that you might engage in. Sometimes you are lacking joy because you just need to go do something that allows you to participate in God's creative acts in the world. Go create something. Go draw something. Go rake a leaf. 
or multiple leaves. If you want to rake those, by the way, I'm creating enough things in my life, and there are leaves at my house. You're welcome to come get a hold of them. I'm happy to have you come and discover your, your role there. But folks, there's, there's joy, to be fran- fa- joy to be found in the fruit of our labor. I don't know anybody that enjoys this more than my wife. Angela likes to cut grass, okay? Um, now, I should clarify, when I say she likes to cut grass, I mean she likes to ride the lawnmower, just so we're all clear. She does not, she doesn't run a, a weed eater or a leaf blower. According to her, she doesn't know how to start them. I don't know if any of that's true, but it doesn't matter. We've got, we've got these teenagers that do all that. I'm, I've reached that point in life where I don't have to pick up a weed eater for like at least 10 years right now because they're all stacked in there in such a way that I just keep passing that responsibility off. But the reason that, 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 that Angela enjoys cutting grass is because she says she can finish on the lawnmower and she can look back and she can see something that she did, right? The fruits of her labor, but watch. And it's something that the children can't mess up. Doesn't matter. I mean, unless we give them a backhoe, they just can't mess up what happened in that yard. You can clean house and, I mean, you vacuum and they can destroy that in like six minutes. The whole house is completely upside down. But there's joy for us to step back and cross our arms and go, man, look at this. Look at this. Look at what I did. did." And the reason that we have that is because God's created us in his image as image bearers. He is a creative God. And he said to Adam, what? That you are to, to be fruitful and multiply, that you're also to, excuse me, you're also to use your hands to subdue the earth and to exercise dominion. There's this aspect in which we are to be fighting back against the curse the curse of sin we fight against and we proclaim the gospel we also fight back against the curse when we try to bring order out of disorder we are working diligently to do jesus said i'm making all things new and when we make these new things we are actually living out imitating god's creative purposes that's why there's joy to be found in those things it's not just because there's these secular reasons because god created us to experience joy in imitating him in these areas. This is the way that God has intended the world to be. So there's joy to be found in the fruits of our labor. Side note number two in this, there's no greater joy to be found than to see somebody come to Jesus because you invested in them. Listen, if you have not yet shared Jesus with somebody and saw that person get saved, be baptized, grow in faith and become a leader in their church you are missing out Paul knew the joy of leading men to Jesus discipling them seeing them raised up and become leaders and pastors and then sending them out to do it all over again Paul knew so much joy from that that when he was lonely when he was nearing the end of his life, that he still found more joy in kicking them out than he did in holding them close. There's joy to be found in the fruits of our labor. Third, this morning, there's joy in the comfort of God's presence. This is where we finally get with Paul. He says, At my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Everyone left him, but the Lord stood by me. Now again, I think sometimes we over-spiritualize as Christians, and we don't do it to be dishonest, right? We, we, we are being, it's, it's an effort to be sincere. 
And we, we sort of know, if you've been in church long enough, then you know the Sunday school answers, especially if you grew up in the church, you know. So it's like, you know, what, what's the right answer? Jesus is always the answer. And if Jesus isn't the right answer, then it's something like, I trust Jesus do it all. And we, we get in this effort of trying to give the right answers when somebody goes, what do you, what do you, where do you find joy in the world? And you go, God is all I need. Folks, I'm going to tell you, God is technically all you need. You're going to probably need more, though, because we don't know how to fully rely upon Him. But, beyond, but, I, but I do want you to know this. When everything else runs away, you can have confidence in this. Jesus will never leave. Right? God's given us all these other areas, these other avenues to experience joy. And Paul is seeking to utilize those things in his own life. But Paul does say to Timothy, if everything else falls apart, just know this. Everybody's already left me once. They might leave me again. But God stood by me in that time. Some of you can probably recall a time in your life when everything else fell apart. But God was still there in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 1 the prophet pronounced comfort comfort my people why were they to be comforted because the glory of the Lord was to be revealed folks the glory of the Lord is the presence the greatest way that God's glory has been revealed is what in the person of Jesus Christ and Jesus said look you think I'm something wait till I send the Holy Spirit because he is going to be even more than you can imagine Jesus said it's good that I go away because if I don't go away, then he can't come. And if he can't come, you can't fulfill and accomplish all the things I have intended for you. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God with God's people. That is God's glory literally residing in us, among us, around us, through us. In the Garden of Gethsemane, when everyone else had left, Jesus found comfort with his Father. On trial for his offenses, when everyone else had left him, Paul found comfort in God's presence. Where is joy found in the darkness of our broken world? I want you to know that Jesus will never leave you and never forsake you. And folks, he is present with us in his Holy Spirit and he's present with us in his word. One of the greatest comforts in all of my life was always in God's word. When I was in college, I went to a rather, rather liberal institution and, and there I, I, I spent a lot of time having professors tell me how everything, half of what I'd ever learned was wrong. And the great comfort I found in those times when nobody else was in there to agree with me was that God's Word said something. And that God's Word said something that I believed to be true. And though everyone else could be proved a liar, God's Word would stand the test of time. Their God's Word was, was the only thing I had, and it was that Word that was present with me. It was that Word that gave me joy in dark, hard places. I can remember raising my hand and, and saying, uh, one of the professors just passed away, but saying, Doctor, I, I don't understand. You, you're saying this, but my Bible says this. How do you explain that away? Folks, there are days when all that we have is the presence of God, the Word of God, the hope of God. Can I tell you that when the darkness closes in, if everything else has run away, God will never leave you nor forsake you. In the book of, book of John, chapter 10, when Jesus, excuse me, Luke 10, when Jesus talks about, it is John 10, the thief comes only to kill and to steal and destroy, but I've come that you may have life. He goes on to say what? 
Those whom the Father has given me are mine. You guys hear me quote this over and over and over again. Those whom the Father has given me are mine. And no one can snatch them out of my hand. We belong to Jesus. He will never, ever leave us. Are the holidays hard for you? Is Christmas hard? Has life been hard? Does it seem like everybody else has walked away? Now I want to tell you, I hope and I believe from the bottom of my heart that Malvern Hill won't walk away from you. The people here want to walk with you. But if it seems like everything else is gone, can I tell you this? Jesus has not moved. And the only time we ever see the Father running in all of Scripture is when He runs to the prodigal. Because God cares about His hurting children. And He wants to be with you. Paul said... But the Lord stood by me. What? Everybody else was gone, but God was there. Can I tell you that you can have that same testimony when things are hard in your life? Everything else fell apart, but God never left. So this morning we can find joy in the fellowship with friends, the fruits of our labor, the comfort of God's presence, and finally the anticipation of Christ's return. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19, Paul writes, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. One of the greatest lies that's ever been told in the name of Christ is that living for Jesus in this life is all the joy we need. Paul said, if in this life only we have hope, then we above all people are most to be pitied. Why? Because Paul says we're living for something more. There's something more that we're anticipating. We discipline our bodies. We discipline our minds. We deprive ourselves of many of the, of the things that this world has to offer because we believe there's something else waiting for us. And Paul says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into His heavenly kingdom. This is a future-looking Paul that says, Look, Timothy, I need you to show up because I need you to be here with me. This is Paul saying, look, Timothy, I've sent them out because I found joy. This is Paul saying, God has been with me. But this is Paul finally saying, ultimately my joy is found in this. I know that this world is not all there is and there's something laid out ahead of me. And that's what gives me hope to get through these hard, hard days. Where is joy found in our broken world? Sometimes we find our greatest joy in the confidence that this world is not all there is. And there is something yet to come that brings hope. This was the hope found in slave spirituals. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. There was this longing, this desire that these people that lived in bondage would be rescued. This is why in oppressed cultures... And in oppressed communities, they spend so much time in the book of Revelation and so much time singing songs about heaven. Why don't we sing about heaven that much? Because this world's pretty good for us. All right? Sometimes because we don't really appreciate what heaven's going to be, but I'm telling you, part of it's because this world ain't too bad. I got up this morning and went to my closet and I had to decide which shirt I was going to wear. You know, those are the kinds of things that we have in our lives. But in communities oppressed, in communities persecuted, 
When the world is all wrong, there is great hope for them that heaven will be all right. And Paul knew the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. I titled this sermon, Help is on the Way. And so far, I haven't talked about anybody coming to bring help. So in conclusion, we're going to come to two places. Where's joy found in all of this darkness? Well, joy is found in all these places and perhaps more. Yeah, joy is found in fellowship with friends and the fruits of our labor and the comfort of God's presence and anticipation of Christ's return. But can I tell you? as a follower of Jesus committed to the local church for those of you that are struggling that make those struggles known can I promise you that help is on the way that I look at all of this and so much of it is all about what are you going to do but help is on the way God's people won't forget you God has not forgotten you some of you really and truly and you've been in my office We've been there before. And you say, Pastor, I just don't even know if my prayers get through the ceiling. Life is hard. And truthfully, I just don't find joy in anything. Can I promise you that God has not forgotten you? He has not forgotten you. He's still there. He longs to make an impact, a difference, to bring you joy. But even as I promise that there's help, can I tell you this? Sometimes we need not only to know where joy is found, but how to apprehend this joy. The hardest part of this sermon is this last bit, this last conclusion and application. Sometimes we have to actually fight for joy. Sometimes we have to actually fight for joy. See, when, when the darkness closes in, and sometimes we can feel so depressed, so sad, so lonely, that we begin to believe that that version of reality is reality. We can begin to believe that the experiences, the vision that I have right now is all the reality that there is. Imagine if Paul, from his imprisoned state, had looked around and thought, there's no hope, there's nothing here. And Paul just gave up and threw in the towel. Do you know what we see Paul doing? We see Paul fighting for joy. Paul says, Luke, can you hurry up and get this letter out of here? Because I need Timothy to get here. Paul could have wandered around and self-pitying and goes, well, it's going to be cold. I guess I'm just going to freeze to death. But Paul said, hey, Timothy, get my coat and get it here so I don't have to suffer anymore. Paul could have been filled with self-pity and goes, woe is me. But instead he said, bring my books, bring the parchment. Look, I don't have much time left, but I'm going to make the most of the time that I have here. I can still make an impact. Imagine what if Paul had simply said, well, I guess I'm going to die and there's nothing left for me to do. Dear Timothy, 
my last will and testament. I got nothing to live for. Nobody's here but Luke. Have a nice life. Instead, it's nobody's here but Luke, and he ain't enough. <laughs> Timothy, please get here. Timothy, if you can, bring Mark and make sure that Mark knows that he's useful. Timothy, I know what went down, but you make sure when you stop and pick up Mark that he knows that I want him here. We don't know this, but is it possible that Paul thought that one of the most joyous things that could happen in his life was to mend a broken relationship with Mark? He says, it's uncomfortable, but I'm going to send these people out because as hard as these days are, I believe that there's joy to be found in the people of God going out and doing the things of God. So I sent them all away from me. So hurry up, Timothy. Timothy. Listen, I want you to know that even though life was hard, that God hasn't left me. And Timothy, I want you to know that as dark as these days are, I still look forward to Christ's return, Christ calling me home, because I know that in the end there's more to be had. Folks, can I tell you that sometimes, as the people of God, you're going to have to fight for joy. We can get lazy in our Christian life. We can. And I'm... Somebody will call me tomorrow and say, Craig, you're downplaying depression, and I'm not. So don't hear me say that, okay? Please don't. Please don't. I know what it's like to walk through those dark days, but can I just tell you? Can I ask you? Can I urge you? Can I plead with you that when the days get dark, look for the light switch. Look for the match. Look for the candle. Look for the light and the hope. I can't promise you're going to see it tomorrow, but here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that there's something out there that's worth living for. There's something out there that's worth fighting for. And I can promise you that though the darkness seems to close in, that Jesus Christ is still the light of the world. And when we gather in the Christmas season, we are reminded that joy is found in this Christ who was born to bring hope and life and healing. And I can tell you that you're not the only follower of Jesus that's had hard times in the dark days. Paul appears to have been having a pretty difficult time. Everybody is gone. Serving God has meant to Paul that he lost his closest friends and sent them away. And the people that he thought he could count on left him. And when it was time for somebody to come to his defense, nobody showed up. And yet in all these things, Paul is still fighting for joy. That's the challenge this morning. If life is really hard for you, will, will you just not give up today? Will you just not give up? Would you fight? Would you reach out with me? Would you find a friend to walk with you? Would you trust in the presence of God to come around you? Would you seek to do something that makes a difference in the world and to see the joy found in the fruits of your labor? Invest in somebody else. And then finally this morning, 
if nothing else seems to work, would you look with joy to the day when Jesus takes you home? See, here's what you can know for certain if you belong to Jesus. If everything else is bad, you can know this. There's a day coming when all that is wrong will be made right. And all that is broken will be fixed. And all that is dark will be light. Every tear will be wiped away. And Christ will reign supreme. The darkness seeks to overcome, but Jesus, the light, has arrived. And he has come to bring joy. Help is on the way if you will reach out. Reach out. There's hope. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would move among us. Show us where we may find joy in this Christmas season. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're here today, I want to invite you to come and lay your burdens down. Pray right here. I'd love to pray with you. Perhaps you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, I, I know this. I know that I don't know this Jesus that brings joy and hope, and I'd love for him to grab me and never let me go. Whatever it is that Lord's at work in your life, as we stand, as we sing, I invite you to come this morning. Let's sing together. Stand with me.